going to jump back into this series that we've been doing on the book of Luke as together we journey along toward Easter. You know, this, this time of Lent as we reflect um, and prepare ourselves really um, to, to celebrate once again um, in, a, in a new and fresh way what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And if you're someone who's interested in religion, all right, if you're exploring your spirituality, if you're curious about the teachings of the Bible, if you want to go deeper in your faith, if you've lived your life and you found something really fundamentally missing, the question that Jesus asks in the scripture that we're going to walk through today is a really, really important one, a fundamental one. It's the question that every person who's interested in those things that I mentioned, right, um, we've got to ask the question for ourselves, okay? It's a very simple question, and Jesus asks it in Luke in these chapters we're going to look at today, and here's the simple question. He says, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am, okay? Now, we're in this study on the book of Luke, and it's one of the earliest accounts of the life of Jesus, and Luke tells us um, why he wrote it. He said, I want to write this account of what happens um, using eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus, as many as I can find and record, um, so that everyone can have a better understanding that Jesus is the fulfillment of the big story, the big story of Scripture, the story of brokenness to redemption, the story of, of, of hard <laughs> to um, hope, right? And so Luke's like, I want to record this so that we all get it so we can all understand it more deeply, right? And so that's why he wrote the book. And I think it's really important. Um, it's great that we're looking at um, what Luke had to say as we journey um, together in this time of Lent towards um, Easter. And the question that Jesus asked is really important for all of us to consider. And as we look at this scripture today, I want you to, to try to keep three things in mind, okay? If you have a little piece of paper and you take notes or whatever, write these three words down. If you didn't, no problem. Just try to remember these three things, okay? As we go through, um, I want you to remember these three words. Ready? Faith, patience, and practice. Okay? Faith, patience, and practice, right? Not only are these three words how we grow in our relationship with God, they define these three sections of Scripture that we're going to look at as we look at Luke. It's a pretty chunky part of this book that we're going to look at today, right? A number of verses, but they're broken down into three sections. And one section is about faith, one section is about patience, and one section is about practice. And we're going to walk through those today because I think they're going to be um, really, really helpful to us, okay? So if you follow along, it's going to be on the screen, but if you'd rather read out of your Bible, you can grab one. We're looking at Luke chapter 9. Um, the first couple of verses are verses 18 to 20. Those are what we're going to look at first. So Here's what Luke 9, 18 to 20 says, all right? It says, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. This section is about faith. Peter's answer was an answer of faith, 
right? When Jesus asked his disciples, hey, who do you say that I am? There were lots of different answers. But when he nails it down and he looks directly at them, he says, hey, who do you? No, no, no. Who do you guys say that I am? Peter blurts out his answer, okay? Now, before we examine that answer and take a look at that, um, let's talk about the context of what's happening here. It's important. And a little bit about who Peter is, okay? This conversation between Jesus and his disciples takes place shortly after a story that maybe you're familiar with. I think a lot of us have wondered about. It's when Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? It's this incredible moment, this miracle that's just big, right? And all the disciples are watching this, and Jesus takes a small amount of food and turns it into a big amount so that everyone is satisfied. And it's this really incredible moment. And this conversation takes place right after that, okay? And at this point in the ministry and life of Jesus, um, these disciples had followed him all around. They've heard his teaching, right? Um, he's healed many people. He's forgiven sins. And his disciples are there. And there's this moment. And they've witnessed all these things. And Jesus says, hey, basically, you guys have seen all this stuff. Um, you've taken in what's going on. You've, you've experienced it firsthand. Um, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And the disciples were beginning to understand more of who Jesus was, right? The title Messiah that, that Peter gives out, okay? The title Messiah, though, was often misunderstood. They understood it as being foretold that the Messiah would come to rescue Israel from Roman rule, okay? And so that's really the understanding that they had. Um, and so when Peter says that, that's what he's thinking about, right? Now, let's talk about Peter for a second, okay? As you read scripture, maybe you formed an opinion about Peter. Maybe you really like him. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're not sure about him. I really love Peter, okay? Peter is exciting to me because he... He's always um, zealous, right? He's always ready. He's always on fire. He's a man of action. He's like, um, I want to I wanna be steeped in the stuff of Jesus. I want to know about more of Jesus. And he's really excited, right? And that's a good thing about him. But he does have some faults, okay? One, he's crazy, okay? Um, two, he's impulsive, <laughs> right? He's very, very mouthy, okay? Um, he's very, very mouthy, right? He blurts things out often before he's thought through them, okay? Um, there's a couple of times we see his, we see some of the things that, that sort of um, are not so great about Peter. Like one time he sees Jesus walking on the water, remember this? And Peter's like, hey, Jesus called me out, right? And so he does and he steps out, but he immediately realizes, wait, I'm walking on water. And he loses faith and he sinks, okay? That's one thing that we see about Peter, right? Peter uses a sword to cut off the ear, <laughs> of one of the soldiers that came to arrest Peter, okay? Um, now, that, <laughs> that's pretty extreme, right? That's pretty extreme, okay? Peter, who was devoted to Jesus, loved him, followed him, wanted to learn every single thing there was to learn about him, denied he even knew Jesus in the last, in the last right after Jesus was arrested. Okay, really, really difficult stuff. Really, really chaotic life that Peter sometimes lived, okay? And Jesus, though, asks, and Peter's the only one, 
who pipes up right in that moment. Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Peter gives the answer, God's Messiah, right? Now, other gospel accounts say that Peter answered, you know, you're the Christ, you know, the Son of God, clearly defining, clearly showing that he understood who Jesus was, right? Now, Peter gives the right answer, but as we see almost immediately afterwards, like within minutes, okay, really didn't understand the implications of what he was saying, didn't really understand what he said, what he was declaring, okay? In other words, he had the right answer, but it wasn't really enough. Now, this was the first time that this got acknowledged that the disciples came out and said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, right? And momentarily, Jesus praises Peter, right? Peter says this, and Jesus turns to him, he's like, Peter, you're right, and because you know this, um, I'm gonna build the church on your shoulders, and, and he gives Peter the, the keys to the kingdom, right? And it's really a really nice moment, right? It's actually a really nice moment because um, if you read through the Gospels, if you read through, you kind of wonder sometimes whether the disciples will ever get it, right? It seems like they are on board and they're not on board, or they're, they're with Jesus, and, and I sit there and read it, and I go, man, if Jesus was right beside me, then I would, I, I can't believe these guys didn't get it, you know? Um, so it's really a nice moment when, when finally they acknowledge and they know who Jesus is, right? But almost immediately following this conversation, all right, um, Jesus reveals to Peter and those disciples what it really means to be the Messiah, Okay, and, and this is where it gets messy, right? This is where it starts to go off the rails again. Jesus says, look, what it means to be the Messiah is this. I'm gonna go to Jerusalem. I'm gonna die on the cross. And I'm gonna come back three days later. He says, this is what it means to be the Messiah, all right? Now, this is way too much for Peter to take in, okay? Um, he cannot understand this. This is not what he thought was going to happen, not what he wanted. And he kind of flies off the handle again, okay? And in Matthew 16, 22, 23, we hear this from Peter trying to set Jesus straight, okay? Here's what he says. He goes, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, and by the way, you never want Jesus to say this to you. Get behind me, Satan, it just doesn't get any worse than that, right? It's like, hey, get behind me, Peter. No, get behind me, Satan. All right, you just don't want to hear these words, right? So Peter, this is what Jesus says to Peter. And then he goes on to say, you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Wow, think about that moment for Peter, right? Think about how that must have felt. I was reading and studying these passages this week, and I came across this, this commentary from an author. His name is Ryan Adams, and he says there's two reasons maybe why Peter had the right answer, but um, really didn't get it and reacted the way that he did, okay? Um, Peter was theologically correct, but didn't understand the implications, and the one reason was this, that Peter tended to deny difficulties, he denied difficulties, okay, over and over in his life and demonstrated again here in these passages in Luke. And we see Peter, he's got these core beliefs, right? He sees what's going on around him. He hears what Jesus is saying. He's, he's adopting it, 
he's trying to live out of it. He's got these core beliefs, right? But, but doesn't really quite understand all the implications of what it means on how he should live and what he should do and say. He's got these core beliefs, but he, he kind of doesn't put it all together. And he puts his foot in his mouth again. He thought he knew what he was signing up for in following Jesus, but he really didn't. That was one reason why maybe he messed it up again. Another was that he clearly, at this point, misunderstood the mission of Jesus. He understood the mission of Jesus. You know, Peter blurts out, this will never happen to you, Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him. You know, he calls him Satan, which just for a little more context meant tempter and adversary and stumbling block. And then Ryan Adams puts it this, puts it this way. Um, he says, Jesus was basically saying this, Peter, your suggestion that I can bypass the religious and governmental powers that revolt against the message of love, hope, healing, mercy, and inclusion is scandalous. He's like, you've completely missed the point. You've completely missed the point again. Peter wanted a Messiah, but he didn't want the cross. See, Peter thought that Jesus was coming as the Messiah to, to bring about change where Israel was free of Roman rule, to bring about change that Peter could like um, enjoy in the moment, right? He's like, wow, Jesus comes, he's this leader, this military leader, and he's gonna turn over what's happening to my people and I'm gonna benefit from that and I'm all about that. But when Jesus says, no, 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 my concerns are higher than that, are bigger than that, and as a matter of fact, I'm gonna go be captured, arrested, and killed. And Peter just can't put this all together. He's like, wait a minute, that's a defeat, not a victory. And Jesus understands that Peter thinks that way and is why he tries to set him straight and help him understand it deeply again. At this moment, Jesus goes to a new level of teaching. He brings something in that um, is just revolutionary and groundbreaking and really important for us to hear, okay? And this is the next section of scripture that we're gonna look at. Remember, faith patience, and practice. The first part is about faith. Did Peter have enough faith to understand this, right? The second part is about patience. You know, Jesus begins to lay out to Peter and his disciples about what, what this was gonna look like, really. He wanted them to understand it. And the first thing he says in Luke 9, verses 21 to 27 is this. He says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. I want to stop there for a second because it's really fascinating to me out throughout scripture how there are times when Jesus tells people, hey, what you've seen here today, go and tell everybody. And other times he says, hey, what you've seen here today, don't mention it. Okay, and this is one of those times when he says, don't tell anyone. And he says this, I think, because Jesus knew that other people around him were thinking the same way that Peter was. They misunderstood who Jesus was, right? They thought that he had come just to deliver Israel. But instead, Jesus says, I have a much higher and bigger purpose. And he wasn't sure that people got that yet. So he says, don't tell this what I'm about to tell you to anyone. And he goes on to say this, chapter, 20, chapter 9, verse, verse 22. And he said, the son of man, 
must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Patience, right? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when, it comes in his, when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Before they see the kingdom of God. He says, I must go to Jerusalem. I must be on the cross. I must be put to death to be raised back. This is the high cost. This is the very high cost, okay? And a few chapters back in Luke, Jesus tries to help help everyone understand this concept a little bit about what this cost is like and, and how you need to figure it out. And he says in the book of Luke, um, chapter 14, verses 28 to 30, to help people embrace this idea of the cost of following him, he says these words. He says, suppose you want to build a tower. You would first sit down and figure out what it costs. Then you would see if you have enough money to finish it. Otherwise, if you lay a foundation and can't finish the building, everyone who watches will make fun of you. They'll say, this person started to build but couldn't finish the job. And in so many ways, Peter was that person, right? Um, those who were with Peter, those who knew him, those who followed his life, when we read about him, we kind of see he's this, he's this like, go forward without thinking about it before... <laughs> Um, before I've thought about it, I'm just going to move forward, right? And Jesus is kind of laying this out. He's like, don't, don't do that. You know, you're going to find yourself stumbling. Other people are going to watch you stumble. It's going to be a problem for you, for me, for those who see your life. Calculate the cost first before you begin the journey. Jesus is calling people to follow him in discipleship. So he says, look, be sure to count the cost before you sign up because it's going to be really costly. I don't want you to sign up and be surprised afterwards what the cost really is. Jesus essentially requires upfront a commitment to the highest possible cost. So nothing later is going to be a stumbling block. Nothing later is going to rock your world. When Jesus asks who do you say I am? Peter had the right answer, but was not really ready to pay the cost, to embrace the cost. Peter literally denies even knowing Jesus not long after this conversation. This is after Jesus is arrested. And we're told that Jesus is arrested, they take him off, and Peter, true to form, um, is not good with that, obviously, and he's still wanting a different outcome. And so he literally follows the soldiers who have Jesus in custody. And he's like hiding behind bushes, 
You know, he's ducking behind walls. He's kind of watching what's going on. And finally, they get to this room and they take Jesus in there in this building. And Peter goes in and some people notice him. And they begin to say, hey, that guy's with Jesus. <laughs> that guy's with Jesus. And they would come up to him and ask him, you go, no, I have no idea. I've never even met him. Never seen him before. Jesus who? And it happened three times in a row, okay? And then we're told about this incredible deep moment. After the third time, we're told that scripture records Jesus turning and looking Peter eye to eye, just looking at him eye to eye and saying, I told you <laughs> you would do this. And we're told that Peter in this moment is so broken, so defeated that he runs out of the building um, breaks down and just cries. It's, it's really Peter's moment of, of great shame where he has to come face to face with the reality that he just wasn't ready to do what was, what was gonna be necessary to be a follower of Christ. Peter had structured this concept in his mind um, to make it fit into what he wanted it to be. This man of action, yes, you know, um, wanted a king and a kingdom, but no, no death and apparent defeat. He wanted something different. He, he really needed to be more patient and to soak in more of Christ before he could be a follower of Christ. Do you see yourself ever in Peter. I know that I do. I do see him in me. Um, there are times when I want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Um, I am full of that confidence and faith. But then there are times when my issues in life, they overwhelm me. I'm impatient. <laughs> I want what I want Jesus to do now not on his timing, but my timing, and I want him to do what I said and not what he knows might be better for me, and I forget truly about what Messiah means, what it really means, not what I want it to mean. Jesus knows <laughs> the concerns of Peter's heart, and he knows the concerns of our hearts, and he knows what the timing should be. The last part of the scriptures that we're going to look at today that I want to dive through, um, focus on this last idea of practice. You know, if our faith grows um, through all of these things, if our faith grows through faith, patience, and practice, we grow through faith, we grow through patience. Um, what's the practice look like? And Jesus gets into this um, in these verses in Luke. This is Luke 9, beginning at verse 28 through 36, and it says this. <clears throat> About eight days after Jesus said all this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw 
his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And right there in Scripture it says, he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> God love you. <laughs> you still don't get it. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, who I have chosen. Listen to him. Practice. <laughs> Listen. What's the practice? Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. What gives us some really great insight here on how to really follow Jesus is the part of that scripture that says, um, listen to him, and what happens immediately after this story, okay? These guys are on the helltop with, with Jesus. The transfiguration takes place. Um, there's only three with Jesus. The rest of the disciples are down at the bottom of the mountain, okay? And as soon as they come off the mountain, all right, this man walks up to them, and he's like, Jesus, um, these disciples that you have down here, you know, I heard that you guys were, were healing and casting out demons and all that, so I came and I brought my son because he desperately needs that, but none of them can do it. None of them can cast out the demon. Can you do it? Jesus basically kind of looks over at him and, he's, and, he, and, he, um, and he does it, right? He casts out the demon from the child. And the disciples are once again astounded, okay? This happens, and they're standing there like this. And one of them pipes up and says, Jesus, <laughs> after all of this, they pipe up and they say, Jesus, how can you do this, but we can't? Even though you said that we could, you sent us out to do it. We've been doing some of it. You sent us out. You said we have this power you told us to have faith and we could do it. How's come you can do it and we can't do it? And Jesus gives a very simple and short answer. He says, because of your little faith. Another version says, because of your unbelief. <laughs> have you ever tried your very hardest to do something and still failed? Have you ever put your whole effort, your mind, your prayers, the entirety of everything that you are into something only to see the result that you didn't necessarily want. Jesus is saying to us and saying to Peter, um, hey, know the answers. You know, be theologically sound. Be sound in what you believe. But first, put your faith where it belongs. Actually, listening to God in everything do you see him shining? <laughs> you know, they, they saw this transfiguration of Jesus. They saw him shining and still didn't understand. Do I look to God rather than my own ability? Am I daily taking up my cross and following him? Am I engaged in practice, faith, patience, practice? Am I practicing this way that Jesus shows me, that he told me about.
This is going to be the weirdest sidetrack ever in the history of sermons. Ready? Okay. Um, how many of you guys are Star Wars fans? Raise your hand, clap something, Star Wars fans. Okay, not enough. Oh, darn. Okay. Um, anyway, I'll explain this to you. Okay. Um, one of the spin-off franchises of the Star Wars thing is a TV show on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. All right? Clap if you've seen Mandalorian. Okay, some of you. All right, good. I'm glad some of you have seen it. Let me explain it basically to you, okay? The Mandalorian is kind of a space cowboy, okay? All right? Kind of a space cowboy, if you will, all right? Um, He's going through the universe, kind of taking up whatever noble causes still remain. Basically, remember, there's this evil empire. It's been defeated. There's a new government in place, the Republic, and the Mandalorian is kind of lost in this. Most of his people have been killed off, right? All the Mandalore are no longer around. And he's kind of going through the universe, um, often for hire, other times for other reasons, but taking up whatever noble causes remain. And he follows a religion, the Mandalore religion, that compels him to live in a certain way, okay? And the way that he lives to everyone else is ridiculous. <laughs> the way that he lives, people often go, really? That's what you follow? That's what you do? That's, that, that's, that's how you're supposed to live? That's, that's at your core? And not only do they kind of ridicule it and look side-eyed at it, they often encourage him to not do it. They're like, <laughs> bro, just do this. This is so much easier. Just just, just go this way, right? And, and he often fights against that, okay? And in this series, there's not a lot of the Mandalore left. And every once in a while, as they roam through the universe, they find each other, okay? Um, sometimes on purpose, sometimes on accident. And in the show, on purpose, there's always these very long dialogues about how they're living. They'll have these conversations back and forth two Mandalorians. How are you living? What's happening with you? And they'll begin to have these dialogues about it. And when a tension point sort of comes up, right, um, when, when they're sort of talking about um, that they might be feeling tempted to stray, right, there's a phrase that they use in this TV show, right, they're having these conversations, and they'll have these conversations, and all of a sudden it will stop And one of them will look at the other and say, this is the way. This is the way. And the other Mandalorian will reply immediately, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. As Jesus traveled through Israel, urging people to repent and believe in the Gospels, he would use the phrase, follow me. Follow me. At the beginning of his ministry, he called his first disciple saying, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And as his ministry progressed, he told the crowds, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. At the end of his earthly ministry, he recommissioned Peter with the words, Peter, follow me. 
It takes faith, it takes patience, it takes practice to grow in our faith. And as we wrap up today, I wanna to talk about just two quick things that are gonna help your practice. Okay, what does it look like to practice that? Okay, one is hearing and obeying Christ, and the second is following his example. Okay, when it comes to obeying and hearing, you know, the first disciples hearing and obeying Jesus was in Jesus teaching them the fundamental things to follow, Sermon on the Mount, the fundamental things that would make them followers of his way, right? The fundamental things to follow. And at the conclusion of that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus emphasized with, you know, with, with really stark clarity um, the profound importance of hearing and obeying that teaching, right? And maybe it's a teaching that you'll recall as we talk about it for a second, right? Um, at the point that Jesus is trying to make, he says something like this. He starts talking about how we need to build our lives on obedience, right? How we need to build our life on the rock so that when the storms and everything comes, we'll be solid. You need a solid foundation so that when people tempt you, when they say, it's ridiculous that you live that way, you really believe that, that's your core, you are not tempted to be blown over by that, that you have this solid base, you have this solid core. And so Jesus said that, look, he's like, obey and hear what I say and, and, and build your life on the rock. If you wanna follow Jesus, we certainly wanna begin where the first disciples did, right? Understanding and obeying the foundation. And the second thing that Jesus said is that we just need to follow his example. We need to follow his example. Remember, at the end of his life in the upper room, he teaches the disciples about um, lots of things. And one of the things that he does is he washes the disciples' feet. And they're blown away by this. They can't, they can't understand how this leader would humble himself and instead of tell them one more time what it was like and what it required and what it meant to follow him, he would show them in actions. And if you think about that, if you think about that, that's often how we learn, right? That's often how we finally get it. And so I just wanna ask you and tell you that it's okay as you live your life, if, if you're finding yourself in the Peter zone, Never stop following by example Jesus. You know, serve. Don't let a doubt, don't let a doubt or don't let a stumble stop you from serving in the way that Jesus did. Because Jesus tells us that often when we practice, when we practice, when we practice, there'll be a moment, even when we don't have all clarity, when we're serving someone else, that something will snap we'll go, oh, <laughs> this, okay. <laughs> wow, now I, I, I understand something that I didn't before because I've continued to practice and to be obedient and to learn. So let us grow through faith, through patience, and through practice. Okay, and I want you to do this with me. Remember the Mandalorian, right? You're gonna respond. Are you ready? This is the way. Follow Jesus, not the Mandalorian. But remember, there is a way. He gives us this beautiful way to live the best life possible on this side of heaven.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your patience. <laughs> we thank you for your deep love for us. Or will you continue to compel us to seek after you, to know your ways, to follow your ways? You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we need to remember that every single day, Lord. Let us, let us take up our cross daily to follow you. Lord, fill our hearts with the joy of being your children, with the joy of being your beloved. Lord, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. We look forward, Lord, as we journey together in the celebration of Easter. Lord, guide us, protect us, help us know you more than we did every single day. So God, we love you. Thank you for this time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.